0: Welcome to Woke Isn't Enough, a podcast created by two women of color who think that it's time to move collectively beyond checking the boxes when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Jess Aiden Lee, and I'm here with my colleague, Fiona Elephant, and we are the founders of Healing Equity United. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Fiona. So there have been over 2,800 anti-Asian hate incidents that have been reported from Stop API hate since COVID-19 started. And we know that that number is severely undercounted because a lot of people within the Asian American community don't necessarily report hate crimes and hate incidents. And so, you know, it's been a hard time for the Asian American community right now in this country.
1: Yeah, and it's really disheartening how little coverage and how little, well, I should stop and say how little nuanced coverage about um, these hate crimes and how little demand for the, from the general public for this to end.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's um, something that we've, seen to be a regular occurrence nowadays, you know, because of essentially what the last president was saying about COVID-19 and, and the words that he used to describe um, the, the pandemic that we're in and basically, you know, giving permission to the haters out there to be able to, to call it a racist name.
1: Exactly, but we know it didn't start with him, right? We know that there is historic um, precedent for his language. That's why his language had a home. That's why his language has been tolerated for so long. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about the erasure of AAPIs from the history books? From you know how we discuss. Who are Americans? All of that.
0: Well, you know, I think that it, it makes me really angry that we continue to be seen as the perpetual foreigner when we know historically Asian Americans have been here since the 1700s. I mean, that's over 300 years that our people have been here, and yet we are still seen as new to this country, as immigrants. And for whatever reason, the erasure is also tied to not understanding that Asia and Asian Americans is a really diverse group. And so, you know, it's
1: vast. It is. You have South Asian, you have East Asian, you you have everything in between, I don't know how many different countries. Everything different, in between. Like, it's it's very very large.
0: Yeah, don't forget the Central Asians and the Southeast Asians. Yeah. and
1: it's vast, and so the and so I think that that's another component of this conversation, not only about erasure of history, um, and that you know, basically the ex-president, former president was using such hateful language, but then that people can't distinguish one ethnicity from another, can't, are too lazy to, don't care to, whatever, right? And so you have completely different types of people, being targeted, no one should be targeted, but completely different types of people being targeted as the same group. So do you see like the insanity, the insidious insanity of this all? It's First of all, it's based on a lie. Secondly, you're lumping a bunch of people together. Thirdly, you are perpetuating these historic notions of otherness. It's, it's just, tell me, what's, what is this all about?
0: Besides racism? Besides racism?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: Yeah, I mean, there have been so many Asians that have been attacked, right? Because we all, apparently, we all look the same. And whenever people say, like, racist things, like, we all look the same. I'm like, yeah, you look just like your grandma. You know, like, that's ridiculous to say that everyone looks exactly the same. And, And yet this... Continued invisibility of the Asian American group is it's it's a way of further minimalizing our pain and our experiences by saying that we all look the same or using words like you know when we do our trainings we talk about how the words black and brown don't include all Asian Americans and so and then and then there are words that we, we other colors that we don't say because they've been deemed offensive by the Asian American community. And so it's this continual invisibility of our community. And, and, you know, the model minority myth is something that a lot of Asian Americans talk about. And and yet I don't think enough is being said about how it was created by a white man in order to really further divide the Asian community from the African Black African American community and it's continued to be a weapon in our society by saying like oh well look the Asians did it so why can't you black folks get your get your stuff together right when we know that because of how diverse and vast our communities are that Asian Americans are also sometimes, you know, incarcerated at similar rates to Black folks, right?
1: Give an example of that one. Give an example, because people don't know that.
0: So I know that in the Southeast Asian community and in certain parts of the country, like the Hmong community and um, other communities that have uh, been, um, that have had a lot of trauma because of um, war or, Having been refugees in their own countries, you know they they come to this country and they're also suffering from poverty and and so you know they get targeted by the police. There's racial profiling of them as well, and sometimes they're mistaken for um, the Latinos or Latinas, right? Because people can't tell people apart, and so you know this this whole minority myth is just has just been used so often and more recently in affirmative action specialized high school cases when what our communities need to be doing is saying standing up together and when i say our communities i mean black brown tan pink whatever right the non white communities need to come together and say like listen you know the you are not going to continue dividing us we know your strategies we know your ways and you, white dominant culture, white supremacists, you're not gonna, we're not gonna allow you to come in and continue dividing us. And, and, you know, there were recently two murders of Asian American young men by the police. One was in Antioch, California, which is maybe 30, 45 minutes outside of Oakland, um, and it is a very large um, African-American Asian comu- and Asian community, more so African-American. And the police were called to a home because there was a mental health crisis of this kid. And this kid was terrified of the police. And the parents, you know, the, the mom didn't want to call the police. But because it was a mental health crisis, it's a health crisis, she called for help, Right. And it ended up being that they knelt on his knee for five minutes. This was in December. This is like after George. Did you learn nothing as police officers? You said knelt on his knee?
1: You mean knelt on his neck?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Kept his knee on his neck for five minutes. And then he died. This is a kid who was, I don't want to say kid, he was a young man who was already terrified of the police. Right? Very similar to the George Floyd incident, the mom was so horrified that she actually didn't record the the um, the kneeling part. She recorded the aftermath of it, and then there was that case in Pennsylvania of another uh, a Chinese American who was shot. I think it was seven times with his hands up in the air. Another mental health incident, and so. I think that, because, and, and you know, you and I both know that that police brutality is nothing new, even in the Asian American community. I mean, when I was a kid, I saw a chokehold happen in Flushing by the NYPD, then calling for a backup. And so, this is nothing new. However, this is also something that hasn't been reported accurately by media. Both ethnic media and mainstream media. One of the things that really annoyed me about the initial reports coming out of the Antioch case was the lack of attributing what the person's race was. So, you know, we know Filipinos, because of colonialism, you know, have uh, colonization, sorry, have um, Latino sounding names. And so, if you didn't actually look at the person's obituary, you wouldn't know that he was Filipino American. And so that lack of information contributes to the invisibility of of Asian Americans.
1: And it's so so deep-seated, right? Because as you were speaking, I was thinking about a couple of different things. One, the lack of coverage by media has to be, in my mind, tied to the invisibility and erasure of the humanity of Asian folks, the value of Asian folks, the the fact that Asian folks are just as American as anybody else. I mean, I, I think that that has to feed into it and contribute to it in some way. The second thing that I was thinking about as you were speaking, when anybody calls for help, especially mental health crises. How is it that the appropriate response is to send in the police? How how is that the case?
0: You and I can talk about that for days. (laughs) I I mean, seriously, like if someone was having, you know, if someone would need an open heart surgery, would you send in the police? No. Right. You would send in a surgeon who's been trained to to deal with it. I, I don't understand why you would send in the police. I don't get it. I
1: don't get it. And you know, given the fact that the creation of our law enforcement system has some problematic historical roots, I think that it would behoove us as a society to reevaluate when they are engaged how they engage citizens, well, not citizens as in a U.S. citizen, but citizens as in people, how they engage people. Um, And then to somehow get journalists and media to pay attention and to discuss this in a nuanced way, because what you were talking about is really crucial, right? Like sometimes... The perpetrators of these crimes are, are other BIPOC folks, right? Or yes. other Black folks, right? Yep. And how do we have a conversation that allows for the duality of the situation, right? Um, without continuing to pit people of color against each other. Um, I don't know, just You've been you've been talking to me about this a lot. So, what are some um, conclusions that you have drawn as you've seen this horrible situation escalate?
0: You know, I think we have to differentiate crimes of opportunity and versus racism. Right? We're dealing with a pandemic. Everyone's kind of suffering. It's a privilege if you are able to get unemployment. I mean, if you just look at, yes, I mean, they were talking about how people like unemployment, the the bills that came out to support people. But I still know people in BIPOC communities who who are still being denied unemployment, right? Black and brown folks. And, you know, honestly, I think that sometimes it's, It's sometimes it's a survival. I'm not justifying crime. I'm just saying that we have to understand the, the issues behind it and that we have to realize that the pandemic is also a big part of what is happening. And we can't, we, I mean, I don't want this issue to really divide the black and Asian community because we have to come together in solidarity. And I don't know if it's because we grew up in New York and I mean there's there's lots to say there as well, you know. But there are certain things, and I'm not trying to victim blame, but you and I both know that there are things that sometimes we do, like leave jewelry in the back of our car, right? Or or leave our trunks open or whatever. And and that's a crime of opportunity. Right? I mean, you and I don't do things like that. Like whenever no, we do I the- don't. I <laughs> lock
1: everything. I lock everything. You lock everything. <laughs> All the time, I lock everything.
0: (laughs) Right. Or you stick things in the trunk, even if you have things in the back seat, right? Or you cover it up with like a black fleece blanket. You know, like there are things that we do to try to minimize that because we know that when you have people who are struggling, who have been oppressed, that, you know, and, and, and that sometimes crimes happen because of basic need for survival.
1: Yeah, I think that what you're, ta- what you're getting at is really crucial, right? So we know that when poverty increases and um, s- generalized support is insufficient and incapable of meeting the need and the demand, right? We know that crime increases, right? I guess what. I would love to explore and then try to mitigate is. Why does it seem that that increased crime is targeting a specific population?
0: It's because of the narrative that white people have said.
1: There you go. Tell me more about the narrative, Jessica. Tell me more.
0: Well, who told people that Asians were rich?
1: Uh, the movies, the, what's the, what's the Netflix series? The Netflix, Bling Empire. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently all y'all are rich.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I like to meet someone who has that kind of money. I would love to meet someone who has that kind of money. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. I mean, so that, that narrative is perpetuated. And so it really, from my perspective, brings home the point how other BIPOC folks are internalizing that narrative, right? And believing that narrative, even though that narrative is as rooted in racism as all of the other stereotypes out there about other folks, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we are calling for uh, solidarity amongst Asian folks, Black folks, Indigenous folks, Latina folks, all like we have to remember that we have to prioritize our humanity and the similarities and the tied oppressions that we face and the tied liber- liberation that we can achieve when we work together, when we come together, right? As opposed to believing this narrative of oh, yeah, Asian folks are rich. Oh, yeah, Asian folks are stealing our jobs. Oh, yeah, Asian folks are doing this, that. And then if I need money because times are hard because of COVID and I'm out of a job, then I should go go to the local Asian community and target someone there, right? Like, seriously, seriously.
0: I, I think that narrative, like, why is it the Asian community, right? Like, we have to think about who's providing that narrative? Because why isn't it go to the rich white communities?
1: I'm I mean, there's, saying, so much, there's
0: so much to unpack there, right? <laughs> Think about who's creating that narrative, right? So even if you look at things like Bling Empire, House of Ho, Crazy Rich Asians, the fact that Hollywood has prevented, white Hollywood has prevented Asian representation means that there are only certain types of shows in a comprehensive
1: way. That's right. To show the entirety of your humanity, the entirety of your existence. Right. Ah, say it, say a word, Jessica.
0: And so, you know, we're talking about racism here and we're talking about crimes and, There's been this conversation around hate crimes, when people get charged with it versus not getting charged with it. And I mean, as an attorney, what do you have to say about that?
1: So the issue of hate crimes is really jurisdiction specific, unless it's a federal hate crime, right? And so typically, so I can't speak for every jurisdiction and how they're defined, or whether even... Each jurisdiction has a hate crime statute because we know a significant number don't. But what I can say is that it's usually, it usually hinges on the ability to quote unquote prove that the crime and violence is rooted in hatred of somebody's race, ethnicity, religion. And so, depending on how the, the 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 statute is written, it might be really really hard to establish. So, um, race, religion, ability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, gender, gender identity, like some statutes make it so difficult to charge a hate crime, that it's literally like, I have to say while I'm hitting you with a baseball that I am doing this because of your gender, because of your race, because of your ethnicity, because like, but that doesn't create enough flexibility in the law to understand that the behavior can still be rooted in hatred, even though it isn't specifically articulated. Now, there are some cases that hinge on, you know, when it's not specifically articulated, like they go through people's social media, and they talk to, and they investigate, and then they find out, well, this person has, you know, pretty um, publicly demonstrated their hatred um, of such and such group. But, I mean, I, I have all kinds of, mixed feelings about hate crimes and how they're drawn and charged. And, you know, most people are charged with, um, most people aren't charged with hate crimes, even though we might objectively look at the activity and deem it to be so. What do you think?
0: You know, I I think that, I think that because of the, the amount of anti-Asian hate that's happening, it's also about understanding people's emotions and, and, and validating that, the, yes, they feel that they were targeted because of racism. And yet, do I want more Black people in jail for hate crime charges when the narratives of Asian Americans were written by white people? No, right? And yet we all know we all walk around with implicit biases at the same time. And so, you know, we're thinking about Black Asian solidarity. Like, what are some of the things that we can do in order to, to move towards? I mean, one of the things that we did in Oakland is that we uh, planned a Black Asian um, rally in order to, to condemn some of the hate crimes that have been happening. And the Black community came out, right? And we, sh- we basically, the message was, we are not going to allow uh, for our communities to continue to be divided. We have to keep each other safe, and that was that was what happened.
1: Well, I think that BIPOC folks need to step in. We have to really raise this as a concern for all of us, not just for Asian folks. We have to take the stance of if you're going to attack one of us, you're going to attack all of us. You're attacking all of us. We have to work in solidarity with and at the leadership of the APA community um, and telling us what they're priorities are what their needs are because that's what co-conspiratorship is instead of swooping in saying that we're going to save the day um like it appears a young man named jacob azevedo did recently um Apparently, he wanted to support the Asian community, but he didn't work in solidarity and and collaboration with the Asian community. So nobody initially initially initially, but nobody knew where he was, who he was, where he was coming from, anything like that. And so for BIPOC folks, I would really um, urge us to um, get the direction of folks in the APA community to tell us how we can best show up
0: for them. Yeah, so let us know what you're thinking, what you're working on. We'd love to engage you in further conversations. and And yeah, we can't wait to hear from you.